Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. So as Pastor Cinda mentioned a little bit ago, we are starting a new series today called MLEPC on Mission. We are excited to share with you more in detail about our new mission statement. We shared our mission statement actually back at our congregational meeting at the end of January, but we wanted to kick off this fall digging into it more to think about what it means for us and how God is calling us as a church for this next season of our our ministry. When we are on mission, it's not just me as the professional, the ones of us in robes with Pastor Cinda and Pastor Steve, but it's every single one of you. I was uh, reading Ephesians 4 this morning, actually, and it said God has given all of these gifts to be apostles and pastors and all of these things, but it says it's for the equipping of the saints, for the building up of the church. That's my job, is to help equip you to be empowered to share the love of Christ with your neighbors, with your families, with your children, with everyone you come in contact with. So I'm going to share with you the mission statement first, and and then we're going to go through this, we're going to take this one phrase at a time as we go through the next six weeks. Um, So Nancy, if you could put up the mission statement, we'll read this together and then we'll start talking about it. So read this with me, making and growing followers of Jesus by meeting Jesus, loving our neighbors, encouraging one another, preparing servants and celebrating Christ. Now, if you'll notice the the letters along the left side here, it forms an acronym. It is M-L-E-P-C. We wanted you all to be able to remember that. So we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to love our neighbors. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to prepare servants, and we're going to celebrate Christ. But today, I want to get into digging into what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to grow as a follower, what it means to make other followers of Jesus. So let me read um, a couple of scriptures for us today. We're going to be looking at the story of Paul and his interaction with Timothy, and we're also going to look at the Great Commission itself. This is 1 Timothy 1, starting with verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, that gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. And skipping down to verse 13, what you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And then turning over to the gospel reading, Matthew 28. This is known as the Great Commission as Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples and he's telling them, telling them what he desires from them. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you even to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So who in your life are the special ones who have loved you into being? If that phrase sounds a little bit familiar, it is from our dearly beloved Pittsburgh native, Mr. Rogers. He stood in front of the, the Emmys celebration of all of these people in tuxedos and sparkles. And he stood there and he asked that question, who are the ones who loved you into being? And then he gave them 10 seconds to think about it. He's like, don't worry, I'll watch, my, I'll watch the clock. And here are all of these glittered up and made up, up big hair people from 1997, all, uh, you know, they're, they're all impressed with themselves. And all of a sudden he gets behind their masks and you, all of a sudden everybody in the room gets teary eyed as they remember the people who have helped them along the way, who blessed them along the way, who've been part of their story. I love Mr. Rogers and what he stands for. He was a Presbyterian pastor, so I'm especially proud of him for that. Um, but he, he knew how to reach people and see that none of us are here right now by our own merit, our own work, our own effort. We have all been influenced by people who are before us, and we have a chance to influence and to love people into being as they come up behind us as well. We are all part of this beautiful tapestry that God is weaving together. As we are followers of Jesus, someone helped teach us how to follow Jesus. And God now wants us to help others follow Jesus as well so that we can make and grow disciples in Christ. Today, as we are looking at this first phrase of our statement, we are going to be talking about what Jesus did with his disciples and then also what Paul did with Timothy and how Paul met Timothy very young and helped him become an amazing minister of the Lord and of the word um, as he grew. And then how we all can do this in the ways that we've outlined in the mission statement, how we can be united in what God is calling us to do. So one thing that I love about what Paul says to Timothy right at the beginning is that he makes the comment that he learned the faith from his grandmother and his mother. These are two women who were honored in scripture. He says, I am persuaded, of, reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded lives in you also. Timothy learned scripture. He learned faith. He learned how to walk and follow Jesus very young because of a faithful mother and grandmother. Timothy's father was not Jewish, but his, so we don't really know anything other than that about him, but we know that his mother and grandmother were passing it along. Timothy was one of the first of the, of the second generation of faith. When you think about, um, this is not long after Jesus died, and now Paul is beginning his missionary journeys, and he's writing to Timothy. So Timothy learned very, very early in the early church. And I want to encourage you parents you are one of the most valuable disciple makers in the church. 
It is so important for you all to, to live out your faith and to talk about your faith. Deuteronomy 6 talks about teaching the, the love of God to your children. And it says, as you sit by the way, as you walk along the way, it's, it's, it's talking about it with them over and over and over. There's a book called Sticky Faith that the youth ministry has read. And it's an, an amazing uh, study into how teenagers stay Christians past college, which is a very, very difficult time for, for people in the faith. And one of the, two of the, the main reasons why these teenagers who, who succeed in this are able to do it, one is because their parents teach them all the time. They, it's, it's not that the parents are like, all right, children, now here's what we're going to do. It's that the parents are living out their faith in a real way. Kids don't, they can smell somebody trying to sell them something a million miles away. But are you living out your faith when something hard happens, when you've had a bad day at work? Are you able to integrate the Lord into even the tough times? That is going to speak to your kids more than anything else. The second thing that it talks about in this book is that that it's not just the parents, it's the whole congregation. The students who had at least five different people in their congregation who knew their name and would talk to them and ask how they're doing, those students were the most likely to be able to stay Christians. It doesn't matter if you have children or grandchildren or not. You have an influence in the faith. I don't have any children, but I feel like I've got lots of spiritual children, eight nieces and nephews and all kinds of others that I've, I've known along the way and loved dearly. One of my friends who's also an older single woman said that God showed her one time that, you know, in the Old Testament it says, be fruitful and multiply, and that meant have children. In the New Testament, when God says, be fruitful and multiply, it's not, it doesn't have to be children. It can be disciples. It can be people that you invite to, to follow Jesus Christ. We can be fruitful, those of us who've never had children, because God can make spiritual children through his Holy Spirit using us. So we all have this role to begin to make disciples early on. It's, it's part of what we do. It's part of the fabric of our faith. We, we have two sacraments here. One we will celebrate today. One we'll celebrate in two weeks. We have communion and we have baptism. We get to baptize uh, the Woods' new daughter. And, and when we celebrate both of these, it's about covenant. When children come to be baptized, when parents come and bring their children, we as a congregation are making a covenant with them that we will help raise these kids in the faith, that we will be part of their lives, that we'll support the parents as they try to, to, to live out Christ's love with their children. It's all about renewing that covenant generation after generation so that new people can live in the faith. The second way that we make disciples that, or we learn how to follow Christ is by following him in all of the ups and downs and all along the way. Think about how Jesus led his disciples. He, he invited them to come along. He didn't give them a you know, four-week seminar on how to be a good Christian and then send them out. He sat with them and he talked with them and was available to ask, you know, answer questions as they walked from place to place. Think how much time he had with them. It was almost 24-7, other than sleeping. 
And as they began to see him, not only when he was preaching, but as he lived and as he treated other people, that formed them as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus apprentices his disciples. He, he, he does all of this work with them, and then he sends them out. He sends out the first 12, and they, they are full of fear and trepidation. He gives them authority to heal and to cast out demons. And then they come back, you know, thinking that this is not going to work at all. They come back just full of the Spirit and like, you wouldn't believe what just happened. God had placed his anointing on them through Jesus Christ. And then the second time, it's not just the 12, it's the 70 that he sends out. So you can see that he's exponentially growing his followers and preparing them and equipping them to go out. Uh, in in um, in Acts chapter 16, we see how Paul does this with Timothy. Paul arrives in the city of Derbe, or, and then he goes to Lystra, and this is Acts 16.1, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish um, and a believer, but his father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So Paul is going on his, on his journeys. He's, you know, a very important figure in the early church. He's got all of this work to do, but he's on the lookout for people to join the ministry. He's on the lookout for young people that he can invite in. People that, uh, you know, T Timothy must have been very, very young at this point because he's still, when Paul writes him a letter in 1 Timothy, it says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. So they've probably been traveling together for, I don't know, 10 years before he sends them to, to Ephesus and he's still young. So, I mean, this kid must have been like 20. When, when Paul picked him up, but Paul saw faith in him. He saw gifting in him. Look out for young people who have talents and gifts. It's amazing the talent and gifts that we have in our church of, of the young people and the ones that we've recently sent out to college. It's just amazing to see their faith grow. They aren't just leaders of tomorrow. They're leaders today. And it's a joy to see them grow. So be looking for, for people that can, you can walk alongside, who you can invite into the, the ways that you serve the church, because God can use those as well. Um, it, Paul talks about Timothy not just as, as an apprentice, but as a son. He's like adopted him as his spiritual son. Philippians 2, 22, so you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So you can tell Paul loves him and is proud of him. As we make and grow disciples, it's not one of shaking your finger at somebody and going, you better get your life together. It's come along, be part of my life as we together follow Jesus, as we invite others into this journey. Um, in the pastoral epistles, we'll be studying them later in this fall. The pastoral epistles are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And T Timothy and Titus are both apprentices of, of Paul. And now in those books, he sends them out to Ephesus and to Crete to help establish the church and, and, and build structure, build leaders. We learn most of the um, descriptions of, the, of elders and deacons in those books. And Paul is trying to equip them to, to create more generations of the faith. Um, and, and in in First Timothy 3, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, this is where, where 
Paul is reminding him of the power of the scripture. This is where he said, from infancy, you learned this. You learned it from your mother. You learned it from your grandmother. And now begin to use it. This is where that beautiful phrase comes from. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The very, very best thing to equip you is to spend time with the Lord in Scripture. As much as I want to be able to equip you, I have nothing on the Bible itself. And we want to help you be your own advocate to learn more about the Lord, to give you the tools that you need so that you can meet the Lord as you study Scripture yourself. As we build up these disciples, as we go and make disciples, not just in our neighborhood, in our family, but also to all nations, the next thing it says is go baptize and teach them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commands. So we, I want to emphasize that being a Christian is not a, a solo sport. Being a Christian involves community. By nature, it involves community. God himself is communal. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a love interaction by the the three persons of the Trinity. And if I think about that too much, my brain hurts. (laughs) But God is at work, and his love within the Trinity spilled out to bring us into that. And he wants to see all of us in a covenant relationship with each other. And as I said earlier, baptism is the way we mark that covenant with children, with new believers. We welcome people into the family. So when we baptize, we're not just saying, you know, you're, you're in, good luck, hope it works out. But we're saying, we love you, you're part of us, and we want to work and walk together in, in following Jesus Christ. And teaching is a big role of that as well. And that's one reason why we're trying to provide small groups and trying to provide alpha and different things like that where you can learn and grow and ask good questions. God is not afraid of your questions. It doesn't matter how hard they are. God is big enough for all of your questions. One of the things as we were writing the, this, uh, the mission statement, we wanted specifically to use the word followers of Jesus rather than disciples. Disciples obviously is used the most uh, within scripture, but the people outside of these walls don't really know what a disciple is. It's a buzzword within Christianity these days. And often when people think about discipleship, it means go to a class, learn information. Discipleship becomes something like you can get a PhD in. But when you're a follower of Christ, is not, there's not an end point of following Jesus. You will always need to learn more as you follow him. You will learn more along the way. Following is not just a head thing. It's a whole life thing. It is working in community, working in your family. It's at your job, in your classroom. Everywhere you go, you can be following Jesus wherever he sends you. The very, very first part of the the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. And the Hebrew can actually be in your going make disciples. So in your going, wherever God is sending you, what does that look like? How can you follow Jesus in your going? And how can you invite others along the path? Who are we following again? We are following Jesus Christ. We're not just following, you know, some guy with long hair from the Middle East. We are following King Jesus. 
We are following the King of Kings, the one who is Lord of everything on heaven and on earth. We are, are following somebody who cares not only about our intellect, our, our kind of intellectual assent to, yes, I believe this fact, but he wants us to put all of our lives in submission to him. He is Lord, even of our lives, even of this country, even of the mess in the world today. Jesus Christ is Lord of all of that, and he wants us to follow him knowing that it's not just about our head, it's about everything around us. And then the next question is, so follow Jesus where? Where did Jesus go? He went to dinner. <laughs> he went to dinner a lot. You remember, like, he, he decided to go to dinner with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and everybody is appalled that he went to dinner with this guy. But it's an amazing time of being present with somebody who was one of the biggest sinners in town, and everybody knew it. And yet Jesus extended grace by going to dinner with Jesus went to dinner with Pharisees. Simon the Pharisee was so proud, he did, wouldn't even uh, you know, wash Jesus, allow a servant to wash Jesus' feet. And a woman comes and washes his feet with her tears. Jesus went to dinner with people. He was present with them. He, he wanted to get to know them, even the ones that from the outside looked a little bit scary. And yet Jesus loved them enough to spend time with them. Where else did Jesus go? He went to the least of these. He talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, one who was, was in, even in her own community was an outcast, but from the Jews especially she was an outcast. And Jesus went to those least of these. Who are the least of these in your life? Jesus went to the hardest people. Like I said, he went to Simon's house, the Pharisee. He went to all of these different people who were hard. And he loved them and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some of the hardest people he had to deal with were the religious people, the one for whom religiosity, the, the institution of religion, was way more important than their relationship with God. But he still loved them and offered them a chance to change, like Paul, who changed from being one of the biggest zealots to the Orthodox Jewish faith into being one of the biggest zealots for Jesus Christ. Jesus is able to change every single heart who wants to follow him. So as we follow, as we grow, we invite others to come and follow with us. That's how we make and grow disciples. It's, it's just adding to the group that's following Jesus. Come along with me. You're not going to believe this. As, as we go through these next five weeks and learn um, about the different aspects of our mission statement, we're, the first one, M, is meet Jesus. Have very basic stuff, just meet Jesus. Like you and I as humans are not going to be able to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. Our goal is to let them meet Jesus through us so, so that we can say, come and see, follow, follow the Lord. Alpha is the, the best opportunity to do that this season, to be able to invite others. Just meet him. You know, make your own decision, but just meet him first. With the L, it's loving our neighbors. God calls us to love our neighbors no matter who they are. We just spent a month talking about that. The Community Connections Ministry that we're starting up is a great way to, to have opportunities to love our neighbors, whether through local ministries or, or things downtown. Uh, we can also love our neighbors, our neighbors in Kenya and, and other places where we have ministry. 
For, for the E, it is encouraging one another. How can we encourage one another in this church? One of the very, very best ways is small groups. I love how small groups, you get to be part of each other's lives. You get to wrestle with the tough questions. You get to pray for each other. You get to do things together. That is how we encourage one another along the way. We are in a journey together and we, we, we sit with each other and, and, and grieve together and rejoice together. We encourage each other and wherever we go, as long as we stay together as a family. The P is preparing servants. We specifically chose not to say preparing leaders. God talks about the first being last. And Jesus, as he washes his disciples' feet, he's like, whoever wants to be first must be a servant of all. So we want to prepare people to serve well. We want them to be able to serve with humility and compassion. Even as God calls them to be leaders, they should be servants first so that we all can, can humble ourselves before the Lord. He is the one that gets the glory, not any one of us, not this church collectively. It is the Lord who is glorified. So as we prepare you all, we equip the saints for the building of the, of the church. That is about preparing servant hearts and, and servant love for others. And then finally, the sea celebrating Christ. That's all about worship. That is all about covenant as we celebrate the sacraments, as we celebrate what Christ did for us on the cross, as we celebrate his grace, his forgiveness, and his transforming power that can change every single one of our lives. It is not worship according to my particular taste or your particular taste. We are considering one another better than ourselves, as Philippians 2 says, as Pastor Cinda was explaining this morning. And we want to be able to worship in a lot of different voices. And that's one reason why I'm wearing a robe today. So that we can honor different people in our worship services because we are all one body. And we want to be able to celebrate Christ together in a multitude of languages. And we'll be celebrating uh, World Communion Sunday on October 1st. And we hope to celebrate many of the multitude of languages that we have in this congregation. I love that we have so many different nations represented. And God bless you all for coming. I know it's hard sometimes to, to overcome the, the culture barrier and the language barrier. But you are all such a blessing. And we are so glad you're here. Jesus wants to meet us in all of these places. He wants us to follow wherever he goes, whether it is to dinner or across the world. Jesus wants to be with us and bless us and empower us and equip us to invite others on this journey as well. Today, Jesus meets us at the table. Jesus is the one who is willing to make a new covenant of his own blood sacrificed for us that we can enter into the presence of God, not because we have upheld our part of the covenant, but because he has done that for us. He has made a way. He has blessed us. Jesus Christ, as Mr. Rogers says, he is the one who loved us into being. He loved us into being in the first place. He loves us into being every single morning. His love for us is new every morning. And as we, as we gather at this table, this expression of Jesus' love, he is loving us as a body of Christ into being as well. As he restores, as he pours out his grace, and as he prepares us to serve the world around us. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and for your love, for your covenant, for your sacrifice to be able to, to make a way for us to meet you. 
and to serve you and to love you and to celebrate you. Lord God, I thank you for this congregation and for its 219 years of, of faithful service. Oh Lord, we want to see hundreds more years of generation after generation following you. We can only do that with your power. We know that we can love because you loved us first. And we are beyond grateful for that love. Lord, we pray that you'd pour out your love and your grace on us right now to overflowing as your living water pours from your throne, that it would pour into us and out of us to reach our neighbors and community and coworkers and classmates. Lord, help us not do this with our own strength, but with your strength, your power that is already at work within us. Lord, be glorified in us and through us and in this place. Help us to follow you faithfully, even when we stumble, even when it's scary, even when it's through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with us, and we will follow you. You will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we know that there are many among us that are struggling in the valley of the shadow right now. Those who have recently lost loved ones, those who are about to lose loved ones and preparing themselves to say goodbye. Lord, those who are struggling with health and uncertainty, those who just need you in a dark place. Lord, we do pray that your rod and your staff would comfort them, that you would remind them that you are right there. You have not left their side, and you will guide them through this valley. You will always be with them, even to the end of the age, and we are so grateful for that. Lord, we pray that you would help us to intercede for one another as we think about those who are struggling, that we would pray your blessings and that we would see how we too can come alongside so that no one has to do this path alone. Lord, fill us with your love. You are the one who loved every one of us into being. We would not have breath without your breath. As we breathe in your spirit, help us to breathe out your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise now as we affirm our faith in Jesus through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again, dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God Almighty. There he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.